the throne. You are Jesus, Savior of the world, Son of the living God, Lamb upon the throne. Yeah, used to be just Him. Back in the days, used to be time when the world had nothing it gave. The whole earth covered like it's under lay. Darkness upon the deep, what a dark age. But his word came in amid the change. Same word you gave to man, who needs to change? See everything we see was made of the Lord. And a speech from above creates the whole wide world. What a great thing, what a great scene. What a great being, he made a great being, the great being he has made out of dust, the same being he came back and brought out of dust being, <laughs> there's no word to explain, love so deep it flies higher than the earth lane, yeah, I know you wish for my kind, application of the word should be the stuff, you are Jesus, savior of the world, son of the living God. Lamb upon the throne uh, You are Jesus Savior of the world Son of the living God Lamb upon the throne The throne Lamb upon the throne Lamb upon the throne The throne Hallelujah. Shall we just speak in tongues for two minutes? Hallelujah. Mantaka Bolaboko Shontalaboko Sataba. Oh Shakabalabasa. Let your glory be upon all the Let your glory be upon all the earth. Oh let your Glory be upon all the Let your glory be upon all the Let your glory be upon all the earth. Let your glory be upon all the You are welcome to our Easter, special Easter online service. I want to use this opportunity to wish you, wherever you are watching us from, to wish you a happy Easter and to pray for you that on this day may God grant you an understanding of his death, the benefit of his death, his 
burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his enthronement. May you receive those benefits today in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us this morning. We are teaching today on the garden, the cross, and the throne. Shout glory. Oh, I say shout glory. We are reading from Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts. What is Paul trying to tell us? Paul is telling us that as Christians, God has shined in our hearts. And the God who has shined in our heart is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Now, God, Paul could have told us that God is shining in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But he did not begin like that. He began by taking us back to Genesis chapter 1. It says, For God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. He was making inference to Genesis chapter 1. And why was Paul doing that? Because Paul was trying to draw our attention to the fact that when God was commanding light to shine out of darkness, darkness sorry, in Genesis chapter 1, he had an intention. It was that intention that had been fulfilled at this particular time, which he says that he has now shined in our hearts. So the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness now has shined in our hearts. But why did he take us back to Genesis chapter 1? Because he was trying to draw our attention that what God was doing in Genesis chapter 1 was not what exactly God wanted to do. That meant that in Genesis chapter 1, we read the very, very, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, when it talks about in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. See, and the earth was without form and was void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light or light be. Now, Paul was taking us back there. Why? Because Paul was trying to, or Paul is trying to draw our attention to something. He's trying to tell us that when God was creating the heavens and the earth and was doing all of that in Genesis chapter 1, first of all, he was creating the material world. But in reality, in the mind of God, he was prophesying. He was, he was giving, God was giving a prophetic revelation. See, that was what Paul was trying to tell us. It is that prophetic revelation that had been fulfilled in this time for which Paul was now saying that that same God has shined in our heart. So God was prophesying even though in Genesis chapter 1 he was creating, he was also prophesying. He was giving a prophetic revelation, an utterance of his foreknowledge. That was what he was given. An utterance of the foreknowledge of God. An utterance of the foreknowledge of God. An utterance of his foreknowledge. So when he was talking about light be, what he was actually doing was a prophecy. He was giving a prophecy. When he was saying light be, he was uttering his foreknowledge. You see? So that is the reason why Paul takes us back to Genesis. When he says that for God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. God foreknew that a time was going to come that he himself was going to command light to shine out of the human heart. 
That meant that God foreknew that darkness was going to cover the human heart and he was going to command light to shine out of that human heart by shining forth in the human heart himself. God foreknew. But you see, he did not talk about it because God foreknew that even before he created man and the human heart. Is that powerful? That was before he created the human heart. Before he created man. Because he was doing this before man was created. So he foreknew. He had a foreknowledge of God. Come and shout glory. glory. He had a foreknowledge. He had a foreknowledge of what was going to happen. So in Genesis chapter 1, God had given a prophetic revelation. It has been fulfilled fully in Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. But Paul was taking us back. And that is what I want us, I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 1. Now, when did the prophecy begin? <laughs> and how did the prophecy unfold? Come on, shout glory. glory. So it's very important. This is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. Oh. So when God was saying light be, even though he was creating the material world, he was seeing himself in the heart of men. Shining forth as the light in their heart. Think about it. Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? You see. Take us to Genesis. It says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This, and the earth was without form and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Is that not powerful? And the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, now, when you look at it, when you, when you are studying it, you discover that he first made mention of the creation of the heavens and the earth. But he did not tell us about the condition of the heavens. He told us about the condition of the material world, the earth. Then he started by telling us that darkness was upon the face of the deep before God said, light be. Is that not powerful? Did God create the darkness? No. Did God create the darkness? No. What God created was the light. Now think about it. It meant that figuratively as he was creating, it meant that God knew that there was going to be the reign of darkness first. He tells us what was first. And darkness was of light was not first. Was light first? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. And darkness was upon the face of what? Of the deep darkness. Which was first? Darkness was first. So God foresaw the reign of darkness. Is that not powerful? In his creation. He foreknew and foresaw the reign of darkness and spoke to us about how light would come out of that reign of darkness. That reign of darkness was when the devil subjected the human race to unto himself. The reign of darkness. But it says that and darkness was upon the face of the deep, which is first darkness. And then God said, the scriptures did not say God said darkness should come. So God did not speak darkness. Darkness came. But even though darkness came, God created light out of darkness. Because God foreknew that a time was going to come, he was going to create light out of darkness. 
The scripture did not, oh, Kalabasa and Talabasa. Shout powerful. Shout glory. The scriptures did not say that God dispelled darkness. The scripture says that God created light out of darkness. Is that powerful? Did you come here? They said, He created light out of that darkness. He knew that the time was going to come, that he was going to create the person of light, Christ Jesus, in the midst of the darkness that was raining on the earth. He was not going to dispel the darkness. No, he was going to create light in the midst of darkness. So light came out of darkness. Not darkness being dispelled. Light came out of darkness. Say it's powerful. Say it's powerful. And where does the prophecy begins to unfold? Now the scripture teaches us in Genesis chapter 2 that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Is that powerful? Man became a living soul in Genesis. God formed man out of the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Says a man became a living soul. Is that not powerful? Now, after man had been created by God, that is the, I'm trying to teach you the unfolding of the prophetic utterance in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to, to 3. After man had been created by God, the Bible says that God created a lot of things, created a lot of trees. Then God planted man in the garden. And in the garden, there were a lot of trees. The scriptures actually teaches us that there were a lot of trees that were pleasant to his eyes and that were also good for food. And the Lord spoke to them and said that you can eat all that you want to eat. But God said that, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. He says, the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. Of the tree, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He mentions, he highlights, he highlights two important trees. One is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The other is the tree of life. These, these two trees, sorry, come on shout glory. These two trees signifies or symbolizes the first man, that was Adam that was created, and the second Adam, Christ Jesus that was going to come. So the tree of life signified the coming of Christ Jesus. Is that powerful? But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil signified the first Adam. There are two Adams. So when people say that we are of the seed of Adam, you should ask them, which Adam are you talking about? Because you should work with this kind of revelation. There are two Adams. There is the first man, Adam. Then there is the second Adam. Is that powerful? Thanks be to God, we are after the second Adam. But I'm not going into that today. Come on, shout glory. glory. Shout glory. glory. It's very important. Very important. Shout powerful. Oh, shataka pratasa. Itaka pratasa prakata. Mintoko protoseke prakata sa prakata. So God had instructed man not to eat of the tree of the knowledge. Why? He said, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
So God knew that that tree had knowledge. It means that that tree had an inherent ability to impart some kind of knowledge. That knowledge is the knowledge of good and evil. That was the inherent ability of that tree. So he said, if you eat it, this kind of knowledge will be imparted into your spirit and you will surely die. Come on, shout glory. See, man, Adam, was not created a righteous person. Adam was created a good person. He is a good man, not a righteous man. Why? Because in Genesis, the righteousness of God had not yet been revealed. In fact, the righteousness of, of God was revealed under the law. But it could not be fulfilled. So the scripture says that the righteousness of, of the law of, he calls it the righteousness of the law of Moses. It's the righteousness of God under the law of Moses. Which was revealed but yet could not be fulfilled in, could not be fulfilled under the law because of the strength of sin at that time. So the scriptures now talk in the New Testament about the righteousness which is of faith. Which speaks on this wise. The righteousness which is of faith. It is in the New Testament that the righteousness of God is revealed and fulfilled in man. Do you hear what I just said? It is in the New Testament that the righteousness of God is revealed and fulfilled in man. But the first man was not a righteous man. The first man was a good man. The scripture says that all that, all that which God created, he saw it and saw that it was good. So he had the knowledge to do good. He knew to do good. He knew to say good. He knew to act good. He knew goodness. What Adam knew was the goodness of God. What Adam knew was not the righteousness of God. What Adam knew was the goodness of God. But Adam did not know anything about evil. But when he ate of that tree, then the impartation of that knowledge of evil became attached to him. So he received an impartation of this knowledge of evil alongside the good he had. Did you get what I just said? And that impartation had taken place in his spirit. And then evil took hold of him. He had subscribed himself to the knowledge of good and evil and evil had taken charge of his life. Think about it. Evil had taken charge. Evil had become operational in man. The Bible says that all the thoughts and the imaginations, imaginations of his heart had become evil continually. Think about it. Man had been reprogrammed. Man had changed in likeness. He was created in the likeness of God. But this time by the impartation of this knowledge into his spirit by the impartation of this knowledge into his spirit he had switched images the image of evil had taken hold of his spirit he had been reprogrammed and you see because when God created man he, he gave him dominion over the things he had created he made Adam the Lord of creation because Adam had been affected by this knowledge his disobedience and by eating of the tree and by the impartation of this knowledge creation was affected 
by his act he had brought a distortion in creation so create the whole creation that were under Adam had been affected evil was through Adam affecting creation so the lion or the tiger that Adam named was now after Adam a distortion in creation the wife that God gave to Adam now man had become somebody being ruled by lust a distortion in creation is that powerful by that act Adam had given place to the devil Adam had given place to the devil the devil was the prince of hell the prince of his fallen angels the devil was the prince of the air but by Adam's disobedience the devil had become the prince of hell the prince of the air and the prince of this world Jesus said the prince of this world cometh he was not the prince of the world now how did he do that because you see God gave Adam authority dominion rulership lordship over the world over the earth that he had created and God had given instruction to Adam and Adam was supposed to obey that instruction and Adam disobeyed now Adam did not only disobey Adam was did not only disobey God Adam was influenced by his wife Eve who was also beguiled by the serpent the serpent was also influenced by the devil so the scripture says that for he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth referring to the devil who through the serpent beguiled Eve and who through Eve convinced the husband the scripture says that Adam was not deceived but Eve so Adam knew what he was doing but it was Eve that had been begu- that was beguiled by the serpent why does he use the serpent and all of that because Adam had not yet come to an understanding of what spirituality was he was created to rule over the physical world come on shout glory so the scriptures teaches us that after the earth of their tree their eyes were opened they had become aware of something different evil was working in them no wonder the scripture says that for all the foundation of the earth are out of course the devil had taken charge ruling ruling over the world ruling over the earth realm he had become the god of this world he had made Adam his subject think about it oh shatabalaba it is this that Paul in his epistle to the Romans now explains he says wherefore as by one man Romans chapter 5 verse 12 wherefore as by one man says, sin entered into the world says, and death by sin for death passed upon all men wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world so sin was not in the world until Adam disobeyed think about it was sin there? yes where was sin? in the devil (laughs) so wherefore as by one man's disobedience one man's what? disobedience sin entered into the world so sin entered into the world by Adam's disobedience and death 
through sin. Now, it means that death accompanied sin. He's talking about spiritual death. That's why I said there was a switch in images where his image was after God. Now his image had become after the devil, after evil. No wonder. Cain killed his brother Abel. Evil was working. Ah, so as by one man's disobedience sin entered into the world and death by sin so death came into the world how? by sin sin came into the world how? by one man's disobedience it is like we are talking about COVID-19 in the country. If your father enters into the home with, with this virus, enters into the home with this virus, it will affect your mother, it will affect their children, it will affect all those who come into the home. So the virus of sin had entered into Adam and was being transferred from Adam to his generation to the next generation, to the next generation. Come on, shout glory. glory. So Paul said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. When did all sin? All sinned in Adam. Now when he says all have sinned, he's not referring to the Christian. Because when all these things were taking place, the Christian had not yet come. It was just, the whole thing was about Adam and what was happening. So when he says that all have sinned, he's talking about all that were in Adam. All the generation of Adam. So some people quote the scripture, says, the Bible says all have sinned. So we are all sinners. No, that is not what it means. When you continue that scripture, it says being justified freely by his grace. Oh, is that not powerful? This is what Paul was talking about. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. One day Paul laments talking about the Old Testament, how the law was given to the Old Testament folks, and they could not obey the law. As he was writing about it, he says, Oh, wretched soul, wretched man, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Man was in torment, needing a deliverer. Man was in torment, needing a savior. Man was in torment, needing a redeemer. Who shall deliver me? Who shall deliver me? Who shall deliver me? Oh, wretched man. The one who was created and put in charge of the world had become a subject of creation. So they needed to be the light. And all of these times was what he refers to as darkness upon the face of the world. All of these times I'm talking about. He talks about it as, the, as darkness upon the face of the world. Dark, darkness upon the face of the deep. They needed to be a light. They needed to be a person. So light had to be created out of darkness. That's when God was doing all of that, he had foreseen certain things. Oh, shout glory. Shout glory. Shout glory. They needed to be a person who will act as the light. That's why I say when God was creating in Genesis, that's why he created light out of darkness. He had foreknown something. When Noah was building that ark, that ark 
symbolized Christ. He had foreseen something. Is that not powerful? When Abraham, Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Abraham rejoiced to see this particular day, this dispensation. He see, he saw it and he rejoiced. Is that not powerful? Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? David said that thou shalt not leave the only holy one to see corruption. David foresaw this day. The day of this light. The day of this person. For David said, I will not, you will not allow your holy one to see decay or corruption. Isaiah said that who has believed our report. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed to? The arm of the Lord is Christ Jesus. Jeremiah said that he shall make a covenant with his people. Oh, and they shall be to him his people and he shall be to them their God. A new covenant will he make with his people. All the angels were looking to see how the person of God, the light, would look like. They were all expecting. No wonder take us to Peter. First Peter, Kalaba Shantalaba. Chapter 1, verse 10. Is that not powerful? Oh, is that not powerful? First Peter chapter 1, will take us there. They were all expecting. Even though they were prophesying, they were doing things and all that. They did not have a f- the full comprehension of what God intended to do. Only God had it. Think about it. So Peter says, of which salvation? The prophets of which salvation? The prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you? The prophets have inquired. And the prophets have searched diligently. And they prophesied of the grace that should come unto them. No. The grace that should come unto you. That is the introduction of light. Or the creation of light. Darkness had covered. But light had to be created. Oh. Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? Go to verse 11. Of which salvation? It says, searching what? Or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So they knew that the light was going to come. They knew. They knew that this light was going to suffer and enter into his glory. They knew. Is that not powerful? But they did not have a full, the full comprehension of what was happening. But we know, we know, we know what was happening. We know what happened. That's why Paul said that for God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Ah, he says he has shined in our hearts. Paul is telling us now. We know now. They did not know. Even the angels did not know. Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? And that takes us to the birth of what? Of Jesus Christ. The light. John says that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He says he was with him in the beginning. And all things were made by him. 
says, without him was not anything made that was made. It says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Think about it. The life was the light of men. The life was the light of men. In him. It means that before the word became flesh, there was no one with life. That kind of life was talking about. Until the word became flesh, there was no man that had that light. So what were all, they all doing? They were all walking in darkness. <laughs> Waiting for the one who was a light bearer. That true light, the Bible says, that lighted every man that cometh into the world. This is the light of life. Think about it. He is the light of life. He did not come to join the people who were light of life. He is the light of life. Before he came, everything that was happening was happening in darkness. <laughs> the reality had not yet come. The reality had not yet been revealed. The person of light had not come. Light had not yet been created out of darkness. It was just the darkness that was upon the face of the deep. Is that not powerful? Then, the birth of Jesus. Now, many Christians don't understand the birth of Jesus. Many Christians can't explain the birth of Jesus. When they are asked, we hear that Jesus was born of a virgin. They say, he said, they say yes. Is that possible? It is not possible. And the Christian said, I don't even know how it happened. Kalabondos atalabaha. Today you know. Shout glory. It's important. One of the, the convictions you can have is the conviction that the Bible says that God came in the flesh. God. The birth of Jesus was the union of divinity and humanity. The birth of Jesus. Why? Because somebody had to be created as the light. Now, somebody had to deal with light. The scriptures in Genesis that when light came out of darkness, then God separated the light out of the darkness. Did he do that? Yeah, yeah. So light had to come so that there will be a separation of those under the reign of darkness on the earth and those who had, who belonged to the light. They had to be. There was a need for that. So that the birth on, of Jesus was on this wise. You see, every living thing, or almost all living things, reproduce themselves. You cannot reproduce yourself if you don't have life. So we have the plants reproducing themselves, either through a seed or through other means, because there is life in plants. You see, the animals reproduce themselves because there is life in an animal. Humans reproduce themselves because there is life in man. Is that true or false? So there is the animal life. There is the plant life. There is the human life. There is the God life. What many did not know until Jesus came, they did not know it was hidden to them, was the God life. What many scientists researched and checked and all that and they've been doing it till now. It's a research on the animal life, a research on what? The human life, a research on the plant life. They cannot do a research on the God life. We are the ones who carry the knowledge of the God life. 
Come on, shout glory. So every animal reproduces itself. A dog gives birth to a dog. An elephant gives birth to an elephant. A particular plant gives birth to a particular plant in a particular way. <laughs> Is that true? Now, having understood that, I also want you to understand this. There is the word of life, for instance, that comes through us as Christians. It's a word of life. The life of God, I want to use that to explain this thing to you. The life of God comes to us. I'm speaking right now. You are hearing words. In those words is what we call life. Because the words that I speak unto you, the words that we speak inspired by the Holy Ghost, they are spirit. That means that you cannot see those words. But you can hear the sound thereof. You may not see the words. But in the sound is life. That is why when somebody is childless, we can speak to the person and the person gets pregnant. We utter life into the person. Somebody is sick of a particular sickness and we speak. You chest pain, leave. Then the chest pain hears us, leaves, and the life of what you've spoken becomes at work in the heart of that person. So we utter life. We utter life. But you see, when God wanted to create light out of darkness, he needed light out of darkness. Listen very carefully. Because of the darkness in the world and the sin in the world, he did not need another man that will be born after the generation of Adam that will come with sin. Remember what I said? All those who came after the generation of Adam had sin reckoned onto the account. So anyone that was born like Adam and his generation would come with sin. And God needed somebody who had no sin in his system. So God had to now bring a man through his life. Now, listen very carefully. The sperm of a man has to come in contact with the egg of a woman to carry a child, true or false. So the sperm carries what? The life. Then the egg carries what? The body. It had been like that until God did something different. He brought his life. No. The life that came into the Virgin Mary, and that's why he chose a virgin. You see. The life that came into Mary was the God life. It was life. The difference is that in human life, it comes through a sperm released by a man. In the God kind of operation and life, it comes through his word. These are the words that I speak unto you. They are spirit and they are life. Says the life which was from the beginning, which we have seen, the life. So the life of the word came in contact with the egg of the woman. So that the child had become a God life man. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? The man aspect comes from the woman, the body. The blood that was going to come out was not going to be a human blood. It was going to be a God blood. So the blood contains the life of God. 
And the spirit man of Jesus contained the life of God. And he had his body from his mother. Think about it. So, if you want to understand, even us, when we speak, our words carry life and they cause certain changes. Now, these words that came into Mary in the Gospel of Luke did not come to Mary as words of men. And did not even come to Mary as words of a prophet. These words, when we, prophets of God, pastors of God, we utter words, there is change, there is life. But this, this word that was released by God was released by God himself. So those words were conveyed by the angel Gabriel into Mary. When the angel was releasing the words he had received from God into Mary, the angel was releasing life into Mary. That, that life, when Mary said, be it unto me, according to your word, that life came into contact with the egg of that virgin and was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Is that not powerful? That is why we meet older people with no sperm working and the life that we utter give them children. Think about it. How is that possible? But you see, it's a to when we, we utter the words and when God himself send his word. Is that true or false? So the life of the word came in contact with the virgin and was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and that child was, was, was conceived and was delivered according to the scriptures. He was called the son of the highest. That's what happened. But you should understand that the, words, the word of God carries life. The word of God is a conveyor of life. The word of God is a transporter of life. The word of God doesn't only carry sounds. Oh, is that not powerful? The life of the word at work. That's why sometimes we teach people and they said, I used to be fearful. I'm no longer fearful. Why? It is the life of the word. When the life of the word we are speaking concerning your faith, concerning your authority comes into the heart of the person. It comes into the heart. Or it penetrates into the body. The life is a spiritual life, but it can penetrate into the body. Is that true or false? The word of God is life and powerful. Penetrating even to the dividing ascender of spirit, soul, and body. So the word can penetrate the human body. It was the word that penetrated the human body into her ovaries. And something happened. Come on, shout glory. Is that not powerful? Jesus was born. The son of the highest. He worked as God man. The one who was 100% God. And the one who was 100% man. Walking. When he was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended into him and remained. He began his ministry. Doing all kinds of things. Doing all kinds of things. Miracles. Healing. Signs. Wonders. But he had something to do. He had come as the light. When Jesus was born, the light had been created out of darkness. Have you heard what I just said? When Jesus was born, the light had been created out of darkness. Jesus was born when the prince of the power of the air was still in charge. That is why when Jesus went to fast, Satan came to him. If you are the son of God, turn this stone to bread. He says, come worship me because all the kingdoms of the world have been given to me. That was what he said. But 
even, even though all the kingdoms of the world had been given to him, in the midst of his rulership, a light was created. <laughs> he wanted to, he wanted to through Herod deal with the light, but he couldn't. The light shined in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. Uh, is that not powerful? That no wonder the Bible says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light. Think about it. He says, he was not that light, but he was sent to do what? To bear witness of that light. That true light. He was not that light. What, what does that mean? It means there was an expectation of that light. Before that light came and John was testifying and, and, and witnessing on behalf of that light, the rulership was darkness. But he was not that light. That was the true light that shineth every man. That scripture is too powerful, we can't explain. The true light that shines every man that comes into the world. So it is not every man that comes into the world who has light. Oh, Shadabakasa. Think about it. Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? Shout glory. Oh, if it is powerful, shout glory. Kabata saprakata. Men toko pogo kotosh. Men toko pratise freko soprakaya. Lege debre lego shata pralikosa. Jesus had been born. The light created out of darkness. For God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our heart. Think about it. So all that God was doing in Genesis was all of these things I'm explaining. In his mind, a, a, a typology. It was typifying what I'm talking about. The scripture is the wisdom of God. The foolishness of man. It's the, the wisdom, it says that the foolishness of man is what? It's wiser than men. Think about it. Foolishness of God is wiser than men. So Jesus did miracles, healed the sick, and all that. But he had other things to do. In fact, oh, Jesus had other things to do. But at the end of the day, he was arrested and was ready to be crucified. I don't want to go into all of those things. He went to the cross. He went to the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, he was the light. He went to the cross as a substitute for humanity. That's the number one. On the cross, Jesus was the substitute. Man had sinned and all that. God has lost man to the devil. The creation was groaning. And the light had been created. When Jesus was on the cross, he went to the cross as a substitute. That meant that he did not go to the cross for himself. No. Isaiah said that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Why did he say our iniquities? Because he went to the cross as a substitute for sinful man. When Jesus was on the cross, Jesus, oh, it's today Easter, it's today Easter. When Jesus was on the cross, he was on the cross as sinful man. He was on the cross as Adam. He came as the second Adam. But remember, the first Adam was in sin. 
So when he took the place of the, when he took the, in, the place of sin as a substitute, he had taken the place of the first Adam in sin. For who, for him who knew no sin, the Bible says, was made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For him who knew no sin. So he knew no sin. But because of sinful man, he had to take the place of the first man, Adam, in sin. When he was in the, on the cross, he was on the cross as a sinner. Jesus was on the cross as the son of God. No. Neither was he on the cross even as the son of man. He was on the cross as sinful man. The substitute for the Adamic generation. Think about it. Is that not powerful? So he was on the cross as a substitute. Yeah. On the cross. Say on the cross. Or oh, say it as you mean it. Say on the cross. He was on the cross as a substitute. That is not only, only what he was on the cross. He was also on the cross as a redeemer. Thank you. Oh my father. Forgiving as your son and living your spirit till the work on earth. Some of these things I'm teaching, I've taught them in a very wider way, but I don't want to waste much time on this thing. You see, Jesus was also on the cross as a redeemer. To redeem man. As a substitute, he had taken the place of sinful man. He had become a sinner. He had become what the scripture refers to as the old man. The human spirit with sin. So when he was on the cross, the Bible says that God the Father could not look at his son. He had been forsaken. He says, my father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? He had been he had switched lordships. He had switched masteries. He had now become a slave to sin and its master, the devil, as a substitute. As a redeemer. As a redeemer. He had not only taken the place of sin, he had also taken the place of the effect of sin and taken the place of the consequence of sin. That is his redemption. Come on, shout glory. glory. Are you following what I'm saying? So as a redeemer, he had taken the place of sin, taking the effects of sin. Especially for, as by one man's disobedience, sin entered into the world and death through sin. So death had become a consequence. A what? Of sin. Not only that, sickness, sickness through death had come in. The scripture says himself took our sicknesses. And bore our diseases. He himself took. So on the cross, he was bearing the, not only sin, but the effects of sin, sicknesses, diseases, and weaknesses, and the consequence of sin, which is death. Think about it. The scripture says he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. The scripture says that he might taste death for every man. So he was a redeemer on the cross. 
He was not only a redeemer on the cross, he was a lamb. Ah, is that not powerful? Behold the lamp of God. This which taketh away the sins of the whole world. So he had become a, why was he, why was he a lamb? Because under the old covenant, the law was given by Moses. God had given law, but there was still the transgression of the law. So he was made a lamp to redeem the sins or the transgressions of the old covenant. So as a lamp, see, under the old covenant, can I teach you something? Can I teach you something? Oh, shout powerful. Shout powerful. Under the, there was the, what we call the sin offering and the scapegoat. So when the high priest was going to atone for the sins of the people, when he was going, he took two rams. One was what the sin offering, the other was the scapegoat. So Jesus was the lamb on the cross. That person was the sin offering on one hand and also, was also the scapegoat on the other hand. It was needful because the transgressions under the old covenant had to be wiped. Come on, shout glory. glory. So he was also the lamb on the cross. The sin offering and the scapegoat. And under the old covenant, what happened was that the scapegoat was such that the priest would bring the goat and speak this, confess the sins of the people on the goat, the scapegoat, and confess. After he had finished confessing, then the scapegoat will be given to a fit man. And that fit man will handle the scapegoat, take the goat into the wilderness, and release the goat. And the goat with the sin that had been confessed over him will run out into the wilderness. Then the other, other lamb or other goat or other animal was also slaughtered as an offering for sin. So that his blood will atone for the sins of the people under the old covenant. Jesus became both on the cross. The scapegoat and the sin offering. He was the human lamb on the cross. So that his blood will wash away the sins or the transgressions of all those who were under the old covenant. And so that as a scapegoat, he will enter into the wilderness. And that wilderness was hell. Is that not powerful? So he is what? The substitution. He is what? The redeemer. He is what? The lamp. How do you understand what I just said? I'm talking about just on the cross. Is that not powerful? On the cross, he was also what we call the ransom. Or the propitiation. Say the propitiation. The scripture says, if there be a messenger, one among a thousand, oh, who shall teach man his uprightness? I will say, deliver man from going down to the pit. For I have found a ransom. God found a ransom in Christ Jesus. When he was on the cross, he was the cross as the ransom. That meant that he was the exchange price. He was the one to be released in exchange for humanity. The ransom. The propitiation of the sins of the whole world. He was going to, no wonder Paul said for you are bought with a price. What is the price? The price was the blood of Jesus. What is the price? The price was the person of Jesus. He was 
being released as the exchange price for all men to be released from the bondage of the devil. Think about it. Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? So he was also on the cross as a ransom. As the propitiation for sins. As the exchange price. When God wanted to get humanity back. And he didn't just get humanity back. He did greater than that. I'm going into that very soon. But just for this understanding. See this level of understanding. There are levels of understanding. Sometimes we have to, we have to make sure we teach in a way you understand. Is that true or false? <laughs> that is why I said you should understand this thing. Jesus did not die for the Christian. Can we go up there? So Jesus did not die for the Christian. When Jesus was dying, there was no Christian. No Christian had been created. No Christian had come up when Jesus was dying. When Jesus was dying, all that there was, was humanity, man. The first Adam generation categorized, categorized into two. The Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews had covenant with God. The Gentiles were enemies of God. So there was no Christian. Think about it. Is that not powerful? So Jesus did not die for the Christian in reality. But you see, sometimes because of the writings of Paul and Peter, and sometimes so that we can understand certain things, they seem to join it together. When you begin to study in details, and study in details, you understand some of these things. Come on, shout glory. glory. Come on, shout glory again. Glory. That was what Jesus was on the cross. But you see, he did not remain on the cross. The Bible says that when he was on the cross, he died. He first died spiritually because he had become the, he had taken upon himself the sin. He had become a substitute. He was known and recognized and identified with sin. He died spiritually. And he died physically. When he died physically, he was carried. His body was carried to be buried. Carried to the sepulcher. Is that not powerful? But you see, that was not the end of the whole thing. Jesus' spirit went into hell. Why did Jesus' spirit go into hell? Now listen to that one. In hell, Jesus was a prisoner. <laughs> I was what I just that's not powerful. In hell, Jesus was a prisoner. In hell, Jesus was a preacher. In hell, Jesus was a warrior. Three important things in hell. Come on, shout glory. Now, what does that mean? The scripture says, for as much then as the children, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10, as mu- for as much then as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, it says, he himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, through death, so the channel for his human spirit to go to the one who is the author of death, to go to hell, was through death. So when he died and his body was taken to be buried, his spirit man went to hell as a prisoner. Why? Because all those who died in sin were prisoners to the devil. So their spirits went to hell. Is that true or false? Went straight to hell. So Jesus' spirit went to hell as a prisoner. And when he went into hell, he was held 
like all the spirits that were coming to hell that were prisoners. Oh, but this human spirit was different. So as a prisoner, he went to hell like a prisoner. But the scripture says when he entered into hell, it says through death he might destroy. The word destroy means to render powerless. See, what you understand some of these things. You cannot say I'm struggling with sin. You understand Jesus on the cross. You cannot say that I'm tormented by devils. That is why I'm teaching some of these things. It's not for us to just teach things. It's for us to grant you what we call knowledge. Remember, it was the knowledge of good and evil that destroyed man. The knowledge of the word of God will lift you up. All hell will break loose. Why? Because Jesus did not go to hell on his behalf. He went to hell on the behalf of the Adamic generation. When he went to hell, there was no Christian still. Think about it. Is that not powerful? His spirit went to hell. But the Bible says through death, think about it. Through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, even the devil. So the devil had what we call the power of death in hell. And Jesus went to hell the scripture says to destroy. That word destroy means that to render impotent, to paralyze, to be to render powerless. So he went to hell to paralyze hell, paralyze the devil who had the, the power of death. Ah Monto Santa Hasa. The scripture says having spoiled principalities and powers. Says he made a show of them openly. So he spoiled. So when he went to hell, oh, shout glory. This knowing will make you chase demonic operations. Because Jesus went to the cross and died as the substitute, as the redeemer, as the lamb, as the ransom, when there was no Christian. So all these acts were done when the Christian had not yet been birthed out. It's too late for a Christian to be tormented by devils. Now think about it. So Jesus went into hell and rendered the devil powerless, the Bible says. He went as a prisoner. Ended up as a warrior. That's why I said a warrior. And fought the devil in hell. One man. And the scriptures teaches that he defeated the devil in hell. He rendered the devil powerless in hell. Then it says, having spoiled. The word he uses spoil is a, a picture of a military, an army that goes to war and defeat their enemies and they carry their goods with them. So you see them coming from the war front or from the battlefield and you see some of the enemies with him, with them tied to their chariots and all that and they are, they are going. Think about it. And they have goods of the enemies with them. Ha! Is that not powerful? So it says he spoiled him in hell. He spoiled him. Having spoiled principalities and powers. This he made an open show of them triumphantly. So that we all know that I have defeated them. Jesus defeated the devil in his own territory. He went as a prisoner, held captive. Ended up warring with them as a warrior and defeating them. Defeating the devil. 
in hell a warrior is that not powerful but he did not end after defeating them so now in the face of Jesus the devil has been rendered impotent his power has stripped off him think about it you are a Christian it's the greatest privilege you can be or you can have defeated the devil in hell and stripped him of his authority he says now I hold the keys of death and hell that's what Jesus said is that what he said he says all hail all authority he says in heaven on earth why on earth because the prince of the world has been defeated by the prince of life the prince of light the prince of life the prince of light but he went there as a sinner and defeated him. Think about it. Oh, Shamarataka. Isofoto Sopratika. After that defeat, the scripture says in the epistle of Peter that he preached to the people in prison. He preached to them. He was a preacher in hell. Many Christians don't know Jesus went to hell. Many Christians don't know Jesus went to hell to defeat the devil. But we know. After the defeat of the devil, he did not rush to come out. That was what was taking place throughout the three days. Maladosi <laughs> Kapalada. The three days we are talking about. It is not about wearing white and black. No. It's about walking in understanding of what Jesus did. And appropriating it for your life. To know that Jesus was the sin bearer. To know that Jesus took your sin took the sin of the world took diseases and sicknesses on himself was bruised was wounded he made his place with sinners is that not powerful who shall declare his generation he made his place with sinners he says who shall declare his generation after the defeat of the devil in hell he went to preach to the saints the old testament saints who had gone to hell but were not in the hands fully of the devil they were in where we call paradise paradise the old testament saints in hell relaxing he went to preach to all of them when he was rising up he arose with all of them. Think about it. So it says, when, oh, it says, the one who descended also ascended. Ah, and when he ascended, it says, he led captivity captive. He led those in captive. He led them. He, oh, commandos attire. He carried them alongside him. He preached to them in prison. Jesus preached in hell. Maybe you don't know this. The first time you are hearing, Jesus preached in hell. Peter talks about it. You can check it for yourself. And led them out of hell. When he ascended the second time, he went with them. The Bible says that they showed themselves in Jerusalem. Hey, Kabbalandos Otolobodosh. They ascended with him. But that was what happened in hell. What happened when he was raised? <laughs> By his resurrection, 
Jesus had become the just and the justifier. That is resurrection. The just and the justifier. The just and the justifier. By his resurrection, you see, so he was raised. He was raised. For death could not hold him captive. Even in the grave, he is Lord. Even in hell, he is Lord. The scripture says, for at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. He's been given a name that is above every other name. In heaven, on the earth, in hell, all three worlds in control. Ah, this Jesus. Is this not powerful? Is this not powerful? Shout glory. As they shout glory. Powerful. But you see, when he was raised, he was raised as the just and the justifier. Number one. I'm talking about the resurrection. When he was raised, he was raised as the just and the justifier. He was raised as the reconciler. He was raised as the just and the justifier. He was raised as the reconciler. He was raised as the head of the new creation. Oh, Mandoso. You can write these things down. Very important. And meditate on them. Things will begin to change for you. There is a knowledge we carry. Our fright for demons and devils. We have no fright. We can't have a demon and see the spirit of death. It's not possible. We can't have such kind of nightmares. We came out after the devil had been defeated. So he is the head of the new creation now. This is where the Christian comes in. It is the resurrection of Jesus that births out the Christian. That is why people are against the resurrection. Say he did not die. Oh, the proof that he died and was raised is the presence of the Holy Ghost in us. The proof that he died and was raised was, is that at the name of Jesus, demons ran away. There is no man on this earth whose name can chase demons. There is no man on this earth whose name can give salvation. Neither is there any man on this earth. He says, neither is there... Oh. Neither is no name given among men by which any man can be saved. There's a difference between the Redeemer and the Savior. They're not the same. Just like there's a difference between redemption and salvation. They're different things. So by his resurrection, he is the head of the new creation. By the resurrection of Jesus, he's the reconciler. By the, res- oh. By the resurrection of Jesus, he is what? The just and the justifier. Can I explain those? Maybe I'll, I'll close with only that one. And next week, I'll continue from him on the throne. His ascension, the 40 days, and him. on The, the 40 days he showed himself, his ascension, and his enthronement. But he says, when he says that he, Jesus is the just and the justifier, that means that by the resurrection of Jesus, he was made righteous. The word just means to make righteous. How was he made righteous? Remember, he, went at, he entered hell as a sinner. He couldn't have been raised back as a sinner. If he was raised back as a sinner, then he would be raised back as the first Adam again. True or false? He was raised back as a sinner, then what defeated the first Adam will defeat him. 
he was raised back as a sinner, then he will be given the right to distribute sin. Because he had entered as a sinner. The nature of sin was with him. The robe of sin. He was wearing sin. It is referred to as the old man in the scriptures. The human spirit with the nature of evil, of sin, abiding in the spirit. The human spirit. The nature of sin. The old man. So he went as a sinner and he couldn't be raised as a sinner. Oh, so he was what we refer to as begotten. Hebrews chapter 1. says, Thou art my son. says, This day have I begotten thee. Thou art my son. And when he brought the first begotten from the dead, that's what the scripture says. says, All what angels should bow to him or worship him. When he brought the first begotten from the dead. So he was begotten from hell. That is the oppression of the Holy Spirit. Even as his spirit man entered into the womb of the Holy Spirit and was birthed out, created anew in righteousness. He went as a sinner. He was raised from hell as a righteous person. That's what the scripture talks about, the oppressions of the spirit. The scripture says, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, so Jesus went to hell. It wasn't the spirit that took him to hell. But he was raised from hell. It was the spirit that raised him from the hell. If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, says that same spirit, that same spirit. Says Paul praises that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe. Says according to the working of his mighty power, says which he wrought in Christ Jesus, to wrought in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead. was raised to be the son of God with power by the spirit of holiness. Come on, shout glory. glory. So the Holy Ghost raised him. His spirit man that was in sin from hell oh, went into the womb of the Holy Spirit and was birthed out as righteous. That is what it means to be born again. He calls that begotten. That is why he has the right to to, to give birth to anyone who believes in him. Everyone who believes in him has the right to be born again like he was. That's what I'm trying to say. He was begotten of the Father. He was begotten. When he brought his first begotten from the dead. His first begotten was the first to be born from the dead. When he was walking, he was the first born of every creation. But when he died and was raised, he became the first born from the dead. Come on, think about it. That is what the scripture says. The firstborn of every creation. The first to be born among creation. And the firstborn from the dead. The first to be born from dead. He was born from dead. He was born from hell. He switched natures. From the sinful nature that he carried to the righteous nature. The just. And by his resurrection, he had been given the right to justify others. So he is the just and the justifier now. That justifier talks about is that anyone that believes in him is justified. That means that anyone that believes in him becomes a partaker of that righteousness he arose with. The just and the justifier. We are the righteousness of God. That's why I said Adam did not have the righteousness of God. We are the rightness of God. You don't know what that means. It's powerful. Say it's powerful. So he talks about the righteousness of God. The just 
and the justifier. The just, the righteous one and the one who has been given the right to make others right like he is. The just and the justifier. Is that powerful? That is the first one in what? Resurrection. Then he was what? The head of the new creation. That also means, when he says the head of the new creation, the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he says, he is a new creation. So the Adamic generation, which was the first generation, which Jesus became a substitute of, he couldn't have done anything again, but he had to raise another kind of generation after himself. The first Adam had his generation. When he sinned, it affected them. He dealt with the sin on their behalf. But he, the second Adam, had to raise another generation like himself. It is called the second Adamic generation. That generation that is superior to the sin that Adam fell for. Come on, shout glory. glory. Why? Because he, had to, he needed to raise a new cre- a creation that was superior in kind, superior in position, in type, in personality than the first man. So that his work will not be in vain. So that the same way... Oh, that is another kind of creation. I've taught this thing over and over again. But he was the head. He was the pioneer. No wonder the scripture says that looking unto Jesus. says who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Our faith. The author and the finisher of our faith. The head of the new creation. I don't have time to teach, teach that one. Maybe next week I'll continue from that place and teach you what has happened now that Jesus is on the throne. But I want you to understand where, where you're watching me from. The, this celebration is not just a celebration. It is a remembrance. What we call a, a commemoration. A remembrance of what Jesus died. What Jesus did when he died on the cross. What happened in his death? What happened in hell? So that you, you can appropriate it in your life. So that you just look at what Jesus did and refuse to be where you are again. Mango soprondos ifalikados. Miku saprata kaprakatekese. Is that not powerful? Shout glory. Let me pray for you. In the name of the Lord. Wherever I just lift up your voice. Set forth your hands and lift up your voice. If you are sick in any part of your body, you are going to be healed right now. Jesus bought diseases so that you don't carry them again. He bought sicknesses so that you don't carry them again. He bought sin so that the Christian will not be struggling with sin. The Christian, come on, can I tell you something? The Christian came out of the resurrection. The Christian came out after all of these things had been dealt with. He came out. The Christian was not there when all these things were happening. The Christian only came out after this thing. That is the resurrection. I'll come into that next week. But that tells you that the Christian has dominion over sin. It means you sit over sin. You are not struggling with sin in the flesh. Some people say that until we go to heaven, we'll be struggling with sin in the flesh. You don't understand the potency 
of this day that we are celebrating. The power behind it. We have passed from that place. In the name of Jesus. I pray for you. Lift up your voice wherever you are. I speak to every spirit of paralysis In the name of Jesus I command that spirit to leave your body right now Every spirit of stroke Cancer Tumors Tuberculosis I command you to die out of their bodies In the name of Jesus I break the power of sicknesses I command the spirit of infirmities. You are an illegal tenant in that body. I command you to come out right now. In the name of Jesus. I command you to come out right now. Come out of the bodies you are tormenting. In the name of Jesus. I declare your freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus. I declare your freedom. In the name of Jesus. I speak to your bones and your body. I command you to be made whole. Wherever you are sick, just put your hand there. In the name of Jesus, we command tumors to die out. We command migraines to die out. In the name of Jesus, every kind of viral disease I speak to you. In the name of Jesus, the name that went to hell and arose. The name that is above every other name. In the name of Jesus, I command you to lose your grip. I speak to all those been harassed, influenced by demons. I speak to those demons right now. I say, leave, leave them right now. We, say, we order you in the name of Jesus. Come out of their homes. Come out of their finances. Come out of their marriages. In the name of Jesus. Come out of their relationships. In the name of Jesus. We cast you out. You foul spirit. Leave them in the name of Jesus. I pray for you. If you are not yet born again, what are you waiting for? Jesus did all of these things so that you can become a partaker of his glory. Those so are the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. I've just explained the sufferings. I've not even done. We are in the glory. If you are not part of Christ, you are in the sufferings. You are still suffering for nothing. Why? Because he became a substitute so that you don't suffer. He came to the cross and did all he did that I mentioned. So that you don't, you no longer suffer that. He did that so that the, the enemy, the devil, will no longer be the master of your life. So if you have not yet given your life to Christ Jesus, you have not accepted the, Jesus as the Lord of your life. That's what I'm saying. You've not yet accepted or received Jesus as the Lord of your life. It means you have intentionally subjected yourself. You've subjected yourself to the devil. Was delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us to the kingdom of his dear son. You can only be a partaker of what we are talking about the glory and the kingdom of his dear son when you are born again. You can experience what Jesus experienced in his resurrection when you are born again, being born again. 
Being born again makes you a new person. All your struggles with sin becomes over when you are born again. If you are not yet born again, the Lord doesn't want you to suffer. You are not yet born again. I want you to confess these things and after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe with my heart that you were raised from the dead. And because of that, you are the Son of God. I confess you as the Lord over my life. Rule in me. Come and indwell me. Make me a part of your family. Make me a partaker of your righteousness. Thank you, Father. Amen. If you have just made that confession, you are born again. You can just email, call us, send us a message that you got born again today and we are going to help you to grow in the Lord. God bless you for watching and remain blessed. Amen.